Hi, I'm Scott Patton. I just want to thank you for watching our online service today. My goal is to give you an expeditionary journey through God's Word, through expository preaching. And when you get one of our sermons here, we're going to preach uh, based on the Holy Spirit of God's inspired words, the good, the bad, the ugly. Some things you might like and the Holy Spirit is going to inspire you and some things he's probably going to convict you on. Nonetheless, we're honored that you watch us today. God bless you and go bold. In 1943, the artist Norman Walkwell, he painted a uh, series of oil paintings titled The Four Freedoms. Do, does everybody remember uh, The Four Freedoms? Does anybody remember those paintings? Nobody remembers uh, Norman Rockwell's Four Freedoms? Well, anyway, President Roosevelt had given a speech, and uh, he was, uh, this is right on the entering of World War II, and uh, he, it was a passionate plea to reassure Americans that, that uh, uh, to reassure Americans why they were fighting World War II. Now, I'm going to tell you guys, I'm going to tell you guys this. I really do believe that when you look in the Bible and you look at Romans chapter 8, you're going to see very succinctly that we're not going to need the four freedoms that, Roman, that Norman Rockwell talked about. We're going to need one freedom. We're going to all we're going to need is one freedom. And I believe that when we start this series, which I'm really excited to do, we're going to go word by word, verse by verse in Romans chapter 8 for probably about the next nine weeks. And we're going to look at every single verse here. And what you're going to see in this, in this, in this, this beautiful book in God's Word is you're going to see uh, where freedom reigns and how, how, how Jesus can unlock so many mysteries once you understand the thesis of Romans chapter 8. You probably remember the little drill we did when we were in the book of Galatians where I would say gospel and you would say what? Anybody remember? Freedom. There we go. Thank, oh, thank you, Lindsay. You did awesome. Thank you. God bless you. And I'm sorry I messed up this morning on the, on the, the deal. That was my fault. Okay, so we say, we say gospel. We say freedom. And if I say, if I say freedom, we say what? And what is the gospel? The gospel is the birth, it is the life, it is the death, it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If anybody tries to tell you anything different than that, they don't know what they're talking about. Because that is the gospel. That is the gospel. That is the, that, that is the gospel. That is understanding the gospel. That is the gospel of Jesus. But here's what I'm going to tell you. In Galatians, Paul went to great lengths to point out what the gospel was not. And Romans, he's going to point out to great lengths what the gospel is. Now, and that is where we start our new, our new, uh, our new series. And it's titled, The Day Independence Died. This is our first in our series. And we're going to go verse by verse. And we've got a lot of ground to cover, so I'm going to go ahead and pray and we'll get started. Gracious Lord in heaven, we thank you for this time. We thank you. Father, we still have this nasty, this nasty disease that's creeping around us. And I know that we've got some people that have had that disease here recently. And I know it's keeping some people from church right now. 
and I know it's, 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 it's creeping its ugly head again. I just pray, Lord, that, 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 that you would keep our congregation safe when we know that we're going to come to your house and we're going to worship, Lord. And I pray that you be with those who have had COVID. I know that it's affecting a lot of churches, a lot of communities right now. But I also know, Lord, that, that, uh, that you're going to heal us. I thank you, Lord, for all the baptisms we had on Sunday night. I thank you for all the kids that we got to share the gospel with last night at our prayer walk around our school. And we just praise you and we love you. Father, please forgive the pastor today because my sins are many. And we ask these saints in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want you to take a look at your Bible and go to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And what you're going to see as I read God's word, you're going to see this. Therefore, there is now, check this out, there's, there's three things I want you to look at here. Therefore, there is now no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to think about this for a second as we expositorily go over this verse. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. What's the there, therefore? Isn't that cool? What's the there, therefore? Isn't that cool? When you think about it, what's the there, therefore? When you see in the Bible, therefore, always emphasizes something major is fixing to happen. So when, you're, when you see therefore, you, your antennas need to start, you start going up. It needs to be like, okay, something's fixing to happen here. Something's fixing to happen here. It's a major point, and it's usually something extremely significant. It's kind of like Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, what do we say? Go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in this case, it's the first verse of this chapter, and it tells you everything about the gospel of Jesus. And that is simply this. When you saw the death and the resurrection... There is no condemnation ever. None. Zero. If you understand that, that premise, it's going to lock, unlock a lot of things. Now, everyone say condemnation with me. Okay, now I want you to think about this word in context. I want you to think about this word. So Paul's bringing us to attention with, therefore, this one significant fact. This one significant fact. There is no condemnation with Jesus Christ, Period. What is condemnation? Well, it's a noun. It's an expression of strong disapproval, a censure, of criticism or castigation. It's, 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 it's denunciation. In some cases, it can mean damnation. But the second meaning of what Paul's referring to here is, <coughs> excuse me, an action of condemning someone to a punishing sentence. Somebody is getting sentenced. And what, what, what everybody understand in this in this in this uh, this world, everyone in this world is condemned. Everyone, every human being that's ever born, from the day that they 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 took their first breath out of their mother's wombs, we will be sentenced to death and damnation to hell forever. Every single person in this world, every, the second you are born, you have a death sentence hanging around your neck. Plain and simple. Now, I will just tell you, if parents have spent as much time getting their children to heaven as they do in college, wouldn't this, this country be a great place? Amen. This is why I tell parents, you know what, parents? The greatest job that you have on this earth that trumps everything is getting your children to heaven. Period. 
There's nothing else that matters. If you think about your, your life as, as an adult, as an parent, you have one job, and that is to get your children to heaven, period. And if you can fail at everything else, but you can't fail at that. And I want you to understand this. I want you to understand this. We are all sentenced to spend eternity in hell. And this is why you must be judged. Because with that, with this right now, we will have no freedom. And you remember what it says in 1 Peter uh, 4.17, for the time of judgment is to begin with God's household. With God's household, and it begins with us. The outcome will be for those who do not obey the gospel of God. For those who do not obey the gospel of God. What Paul's saying here is there is no condemnation, no condemnation of anybody that's in Christ Jesus. None, zero. See, if you are saved and you are saved by God's grace and you, are, you, 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 are, you have the Holy Spirit of God, you will never be condemned, ever. It's not going to happen. There's no condemnation. No condemnation, zero. You will not die. You will be free. Now, this verse does not say, this verse does not say when it says no condemnation, this verse does not say there will not be mistakes. There will not be failures. No broken marriages, no drug addictions. doesn't say that there won't be sin in your life. Christians fail at times. Scott Patton fails. And I could say that everybody in this church, as I look at you all in the eye, every one of you have had a sin that you failed in your life. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Abraham lied to his wife. Noah got drunk. Moses disrespected God. David committed the horrible sin of adultery. Moses disrespected God. Switchblade Pete tried to cut off the ear of the Pharisees that tried to arrest Jesus, and then he denied Jesus Christ three times. But here's what I want you all to understand. There were horrible consequences for every one of those disciples for their sins. Every one of them. Those men of the Lord, there were consequences. There were horrible consequences. But I want to tell you something, guys. You know what? There is no condemnation. Can I get an amen? None. Zero. I'm not telling you that, that, that bad things might happen. Because here's, here's what happens. When we live in a life of sin, and if we have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and we keep going to, back to this sin, we keep going back to this sin, there's going to be consequences in your life. I can promise you that. It may show up in your children. It may show up in your marriage. It may show up in your, your health. You're going to have consequences in your life. But you're not going to have condemnation. In Christ Jesus. Everybody say, in Christ with me. In Christ. Now, here's the thing. The caveat is there's no condemnation. But here's the deal. You have to be in Christ. You can't be out of Christ. You've got to be in Christ. Because he, we all refer to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We always love to refer, and that, and that is a beautiful verse. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I would like you to also remember, remember John 3, 17, For God not sent his Son to the world not to condemn. He sent his Son to the world not to condemn. But you know what he did? You know what John says in 3, 17? To save the world. Can I get an amen? That's what he said. That's what he said. He's not here to condemn us. What's so amazing about being in Christ? 
is not being condemned. There are zero conditions except for one. Jesus offers this grace and this gift with zero conditions. Except one. I will tell you, this one people in eternal damnation than any other thing. And you know what you've got to do? In order to gain your freedom. Now, I want you to think about this in context. That kind of sounds, uh, I don't know, kind of sounds counterintuitive to American sink, right? You see, unlike our secular freedom in America, our first and only freedom is we have to lose our independence. Yes, I said that right. We have to lose our independence. In Christ, we have it all. This beautiful assurance and this beautiful passage here of this phrase, the dependence in Christ Jesus is the Spirit. Because, see, once you have the, the Christ, once you're in Christ Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit of God. And that, that dependence on Him is what allows us. You see, there is this independence of Adam, right? There was an independence of me. Oh, it's not going to hurt anything. Just go down to the garden. Just try that, that beautiful forbidden fruit. God really didn't say that, did he? Did he, God really say that you couldn't eat that fruit? You know how the devil, you know how he plays with your mind? You remember Satan, the serpent? He sold the apple tree to Ab and Eve, or to Eve originally, as independence. Oh, surely you could do that. It's okay. But everything was, he sells lies. He sells slavery. And you remember what? Uh, he sells those lives and he sold it to, to Adam and Eve. You know, we tend to think of this verse in chapter 3, when you see that story in Genesis chapter 3, we tend to think that God created the world. Uh, he, 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 he got some, kicked some dust out of the ground. He created Adam. He put Adam to sleep. He said, hey, you need a partner. He took out his rib, remember, and he created Eve. But here's, what, here, here's the deal. We don't know. And, and if I were betting and which I'm not, but someday we're going to find out. I would say that Adam and Eve are probably in heaven-like state for hundreds of years. See, a lot of times we can't put that in the Bible. We, 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 see, we read something in the Bible, and it may be 100 or maybe 1,000 years, but we think it because it happened in the previous sentence. It was like the next day, right? Don't you ever think that? Who's been guilty of that? Scott Patton. But when you look back at Bible scholars will tell you, that's usually not how it works in the Bible. If you just look at the historical context of the Bible, sometimes there will be uh, three or 400 years between, between, between verses in the Bible. But my point is this. They wanted their independence. They wanted their independence. They didn't get it. I want you to go to the next verse, Romans 8. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free. And the law of sin is death. Now, 
Like I said, the minute you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit of God descends upon your soul. And he lives in you for the rest of the time you're on earth. You see, besides giving us eternal life, this, this whole thing about the Holy Spirit, the most powerful force in the universe is going to stay with you from the time that you accept Jesus Christ for the rest of eternity. And the rest of eternity, he will live with you forever. And, but he's the, the most powerful force ever, will live with you forever. I want you to let that sink in. Not to do Scott's will, not to do Cassie's will, J.D.'s will, or Jim's will, but to do God's will. Can I get an amen? You see, here's the thing, guys. <laughs> God just doesn't save us just to bring us to heaven. I mean, that's one of the reasons. But once you get saved, God expects us to help him get more. Now, he doesn't need our help, but he wants to expand his kingdom. Amen? That's what he does. He expands his kingdom through the Holy Spirit who lives in you. You see, once you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit lives in you, your presence now is you're going to be extend, expanding the kingdom. And you do that whether you're serving uh, at your local church. You could be doing that at your school. You could be doing it at Fort Sill. You could be doing it at the fire department. You could be doing that as a nurse. You could be doing that as a teacher. You could be doing that as a businessman. The law, here's what the Spirit, the law of sin, God's will. The law has no jurisdiction over you. You are free from the law. You are totally free from the law because you're I've given this example several times. And I heard this metaphor in a sermon that I listened to on a, on a podcast, and I do that a lot of times. I listen to sermons. I'm driving, so I can't take credit for the metaphor. Somebody else gave it, and I think a lot of pastors use it. And I, I'll be honest, pastors use it for, for a long time, so that's not my original thought. But I think we all judgment day of God. Because you remember, there's no condemnation, so there's no judgment for those who are in Christ Jesus. But we, we always we assume that we'll be in this big, big, big judge chair. And you're going to have uh, Jesus, our advocate. He's like the defense attorney. And he's looking up at God and he's saying, you know, hey, Dad, God, uh, you know, Scott's a good guy. You know, he, he helped old ladies across the street. He walked with the kids Last night at, at, uh, at uh, the prayer walk in the, in the color run. I'm saying that because I thought I was going to have a heart attack and die when I was running. So I was just thinking this in my mind. So, so anyway, so, 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 so Jesus is being that advocate. And he's saying, hey, 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 Dad, Scott's a good guy. He helps some old ladies across the street. He even uh, put $2 in the offering plate last Sunday. And you know what's so wrong about this, this, this metaphor? It's already wrong because it's making it about us, right? It has nothing to do with us. I always thought that God, my, 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 my biggest fear was God was going to say, give us $2 back and tell him to go to hell. I mean, think about it. And that's how we think because it's all about us. 
We always think it's about us, <coughs> and it's not about us. Our identity is in Christ Jesus. He has taken that penalty for us. Now, I believe that we will all stand before God someday, but not for condemnation. For those who are in Christ, those who are in Christ, God loved Jesus. <laughs> we are in Christ. For those who are in Christ, be a judgment. Not be for that Christ. I want to put this. I want to pull on this thread just for a second. When you became a Christian and your identity is in Christ, and I want to make sure in this current narrative that we live in with BLM and CRT and all this kind of other nonsense that we that we that we that you hear from even some mainstream churches now that you need to to recognize in order to be a good Christian. I want you to understand this. The Bible says when our identity is in Christ, that trumps everything. Everything. That trumps your skin color. That trumps your family. That trumps who your daddy was. That trumps who your heritage was. And this is where I some in with other pastors in other churches sometimes they we put our arms around things like critical race theory and as an analytical tool we make laws uh, making it mandatory to teach it to our children and we have it in the churches but i want to tell you something guys i want to tell you something guys when you look at the bible and look at god's word laws will not make you not prevent you from sinning no they won't because I'm going to tell you something, guys. When your identity's in Christ, you cannot be a racist. Can I get an amen? Jesus is not a racist. Here's the thing. Racism is a sin against God. It's disgusting. It's deplorable to him. Whatever sin you are in, whether it's pornography, whether it's uh, some type of sexual sin, whether it's some type of addiction to gambling or alcohol or whatever it is, it may be hate in your heart. It may be envy. It may be something like that. And whatever that sin is, I'm going to tell you something. The law, the law cannot prevent you from that sin. <laughs> it can't. The law will not prevent you from sinning. It never has. It never will. The laws do not prevent you. Well, Brother Scott, you're kind of stretching here. I'm going to tell you something. The law is powerless to keep you from sinning. Let's just see what the Bible says. Let's go to verse 3. This is what Paul said, who is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. For what the law was powerless to do, it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering, and now he has condemned sin in the flesh. You see, you see, the law or the declaration of independence is not going to save anybody. Can I get an amen? And we, we make a big deal of the Declaration of Independence, and I'm proud of our country, but it's not going to get you to heaven, amen? It won't. That law, that law, it, it, it's a law to not to drink and drive. But I promise you, people are drinking and driving right now. It's a law, it's a law not to, not to steal. I promise you somebody's going to steal. The law, is not, the law is powerless to keep you from sinning. 
There's no double jeopardy in God's domain. When he sent his son and the likeness of sinful flesh, he did that as a sin, sin offering. Indeed, indeed. That horrible day for Jesus, it was a glorious day for us. That horrible pain that he suffered when he was beaten and he, he put that 200-pound cross on his back and he walked 600 meters up the Via Della Rosa Road, got beat some more, they slung his bloodied body on the cross. And I want you to think about this for a second. I want you to think about this for a second. You remember that was Passover. That was Passover. And I want you to think about Passover then. What happens in Passover? Everybody in Jerusalem was bringing their sheep, right? For a blood offering. And can you imagine the stench? Of all those sheep, have, everybody, have anybody ever been a meat house, slaughterhouse? I know you guys have. <laughs> what it smell like, you know? You smell the blood, right? You smell the blood in the slaughterhouse. If you go, you smell it immediately. It's strong. Now, I want you to picture this context. Jesus is shedding his blood at Calvary. He is hanging on that cross. He is bloodied. He's beaten. And I can tell you, just down the road, 600 meters, where the temple is, I guarantee you, where, 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 where sheep are getting slaughtered, you can smell the blood of the lamb. See, this is where we get this, the blood of the lamb. Jesus gave it up that day. There would be no need for blood sacrifices any longer. And that day, in 33 A.D., when Jesus gave up his spirit, and he cried out, T-tell-he-sai, T-tell-he-sai, in John 19, 30, when he said, it is finished. That's the day that independence died. Can I get an amen? That's when we get that in Christ, dependence, and Jesus on the Holy Spirit of God. I was sharing the gospel recently with a man here, and he'll remain anonymous. But he asked me a profound question. We had a great talk for about, probably about an hour. He asked me a profound question. He said, so you're telling me, you're telling me, if I live a good life, love my neighbors, I'm a good person, I give to the poor, I try to be as loving, as kind as I could possibly be, and the guy that lives next door to me is a total dirt bag and a tool bag his whole life. And the last few days of his life, he gets saved. And you're telling me that he's going to go to heaven and I don't? You know what I told him? I said, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Amen. That's exactly what I'm telling you. You remember the thief on the cross? In Luke 23, 42, the thief desperately said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said, truly, I tell you today, as I stand here today, you will be with me tonight. Can I get an amen? That's how it works. That's how it works with the, with the law of the spirit, not the law of the flesh. Romans 8, 4. In order to the righteous requirement of the law, you must be fully met. Do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So I'm going to taste God. As disciples of Jesus, we live as Christians a righteous life, not to get Jesus into heaven, but because we have Jesus. There are so many unsaved people that are lost that get this totally wrong. 
They say it's uh, through the power of law. And it's the power of works. But it's all about the Holy Spirit of God. The law cannot and never will have the power. You see, the independent or the legalist will tell you to try to live up to the law based on her strength or his strength and their flesh. You will never be good enough. You won't live up to the righteousness. Because I want to tell you guys, that bar, you will never be able, because heaven is pristine, you will never be able to get in without the blood of Jesus. And in closing, somebody in this room might have came to church today with absolutely no hope. Knowing that you will never, ever be good enough. Somebody that's watching online right now has been thinking about coming to church. But it's more comfortable to watch it online because you feel uncomfortable coming to church because you think you've sinned too much. What will people say? You know, I've heard people tell me before, Brother Scott, I'm going to start coming to church, but I need to get my life together first. No, you don't. No. Scott Patton needs to get his life together. Amen. You don't need to. That just breaks your heart. All your brokenness, addictions, hate, sadness. You might be sick or sin. It's going to tell you you're not good enough to go. And I'm not here to tell anyone today that being a disciple of King Jesus is going to make all your problems going away that all of us we're not going to have this nice loft landing in heaven we live in Satan's domain but when we accept Jesus Christ as an Lord and Savior we are in Christ forever every head bowed and all eyes closed Father in heaven we thank you and we praise you Father, if there's somebody here on our outstation right now that hasn't received you, I just pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit of God would walk with them, talk with them. Put your arms around them, Father. Give us the strength. Father, we have a fearful world right now. I know we've got some people sick. I know some people probably are afraid to come, and that's okay because they might be vulnerable to this disease and I just pray Lord that you put your arms around them Father there's people right now that are struggling whether they should get a shot or they don't get a shot all I'm going to say Lord is that's the decision between you and them Father we just we, we praise you and we love you and if there's somebody that know you that doesn't understand the gospel please let them understand this it's not about you in Jesus holy precious name we pray amen please stand up